John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Before we begin to study this passage, let's ask for God's help. Father, thank you for giving us your word and giving me this unbelievable privilege of opening it up for your people. And we just confess to you that we need your help. Otherwise, we will phase out. We will think about lunch. We will think about the coming week. Otherwise, we'll get tired and distracted. Otherwise, we'll just understand intellectually what this says without receiving it into our hearts and being transformed by it. So, Lord, I just ask for you to do amazing work in our hearts through your word. That it would open us up and reveal who we truly are. And that those who are not abiding in Christ would repent and would turn to him, and that, so that those who are abiding in Christ would remain steadfast. So we look to you now. I ask that you would help me to serve well and help us to be attentive to your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a bit of explanation as to where we are while we're in this passage. We move through books of the Bible mainly, uh, that's what our sermons typically are, is moving through books of the Bible. Every Easter time and Christmas time, we return to the book of Mark, and we just sort of move forward until we finish that book. And then every summer, we return to the book of 1 Corinthians. We keep moving forward. Beginning of the years, we return to Proverbs. This is sort of where we're at in the life of the church right now. I felt like it was time to go ahead and close our springtime in Mark a couple of weeks ago, but... It, the next thing will be entering into 1 Corinthians, but we left off of 1 Corinthians in an awkward spot. When we return to 1 Corinthians, it'll be in chapter 7, and you can look at that later to see why, but it's difficult to figure out where to jump back in at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's all about marriage and some of the more intimate matters of marriage, 
And uh, it seemed like Mother's Day was not the right day to jump back in in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 because of the awkward nature of it. Um, I think we might next week. I'm still praying through it, so come back next week. It's really, really fascinating, really, really interesting, and I highly doubt you've heard it preached very much. So a little plug for next week. So since we're in between books, I just find myself praying my way to a passage for Sunday. And this week I prayed my way to John chapter 15. And it's a passage about fruitfulness. And it's a passage that I hope will be encouraging to you. It seemed appropriate for Mother's Day because I know often motherhood can get discouraging. I know it's hard. Uh, It's awesome, but as all awesome things are, it's also very hard. And so maybe some of you might feel discouraged. Uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. Even your pastor sometimes get dis- gets discouraged. Um, and when I landed here in 15, John chapter 15, it was really the perfect passage for me uh, in, in a week that had been kind of discouraging. And so I'm, I'm excited to give it to you this morning. I hope it'll be refreshing to you. It's about fruitfulness. And when we say fruitfulness, we don't mean busyness. How many of you feel like you lead a busy life? Okay, the rest of you are too busy to even raise your hand right now. (laughs) Everybody's busy. Everybody has stressful days. My wife and I joke that we're going to get t-shirts made up that say on the front, this week has been insane. Because it seems like every week one of us says, man, this week has just been insane. And eventually we realize we have said that every week for the last decade. So everybody's busy, but that's not necessarily the same as fruitful. Now, I don't just mean productivity either. Some of you are more productive than others. Some of you at your work are able to get a ton of stuff done, more than all your coworkers. Uh, Some of you homeowners are able to get a ton of stuff done around the house, and your grass looks like a putting green, and everything's immaculate, and you're working hard all the time, and you're getting stuff done. That's not necessarily the same thing as fruitfulness either. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I tend to compare myself to other people as my wife smiles because she knows. Uh, I have friends who are pastors who have kids the same age as me who are in school like I am, and yet they're able to do, it seems like, a hundred times what I'm able to do in a given week, and it drives me crazy because I do not understand how they do it. I have a friend who, just for the fun of it, started keeping bees. How do you have time to mess with bees? I don't understand it. I'm not talking about Craig, although they keep bees too. This is another pastor friend of mine. Maybe you look at others and you compare yourself and you think, man, I need to be more productive. I just need to be more on the ball like they are. That's not necessarily the same thing as fruitfulness either. What we're concerned with here in John chapter 15 is fruitfulness. And this is sort of my definition of it as I understand it based on this passage and other sections of Scripture Fruitfulness, as pertains to this passage, is naturally and abundantly producing what God desires. Naturally and abundantly producing what God desires. So naturally, as in not forced or faked. Anybody can pretend to be fruitful in the way we're going to describe during this sermon for a little bit. But ultimately, if it's not natural, if it's not genuine, you can't sustain it. Abundant as in a lot rather than a little. Naturally and abundantly producing what God desires. 
And I emphasize what God desires. Because we'll be feeling pressure to produce what the world dictates and what we decide. But those things may not be the same thing as what God desires. So we want to think not about busyness, not about keeping up with whomever. We want to think about fruitfulness this morning. Sort of the theme verse of the passage for the focus of the sermon would be verse 5. John 15, verse 5. Jesus taught his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to give you a little bit of context. Some of you may be familiar with this passage if you grew up in church. Um, When we get to John chapter 15, Jesus has been for a while now preparing his disciples for the fact that he was going to be leaving them. So Jesus had become the center of their world. And he was about to be brutally murdered on the cross. And then after his resurrection, he was going to ascend to the Father. And so he's very kindly and compassionately trying to prepare his disciples for the fact that he's going to be, in a sense, leaving them. And so we see at the very beginning of chapter 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. He knows this is going to be a troubling time they're about to enter into. Down a little further in chapter 14, verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. See how gentle he is, how compassionate he is toward his disciples. He doesn't want them to feel abandoned. He doesn't want them to feel orphaned. He's trying to prepare them for what's going to come. And then right before chapter 15, everything shifts. Uh, He says to them at the very end of 14, rise, let us go. They had been in the upper room where he had instituted the Lord's Supper and washed their feet. And he had been consoling them and comforting them and preparing them. And and then it shifts a little bit into 15 where we are now. And he begins to give them this image, still trying to prepare them for what their relationship with him is going to look like now after he ascends. And he gives them this image, not of being alone and being an orphan, but of being a fruitful branch on a healthy vine. That's the image that he leaves with them. I am the true vine, he says. Now, just right there, I find it comforting already. So we're disciples in the same age that these disciples are entering into, where Jesus isn't physically walking with us. And God took a lot of care to make sure his disciples didn't feel alone. He took a lot of care to make sure it didn't seem as though Jesus was passing the baton to his disciples and then he was going to be gone. He says, no, you need now to be closer than ever, and you can be closer than ever. You're not going to be like an orphan. You're going to be like a branch on a vine connected to Jesus Christ. You're not going to be alone. You're going to be fruitful. So fruitfulness, we've said, is naturally and abundantly producing what God desires. Fruit is mentioned a lot in the chapter, as you heard Aaron read it. Jesus doesn't take a lot of pains to very uh, carefully define what he means by fruit, but there are clues in the passage. Two clues come in verses 7 and verse 10. If you look at verse 7, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
So if my words abide in you, and then over in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So part of this has to do with the word living in us. So I think part of the fruit in a general sense is just anything good that God's word would bring about in you. If you'll abide in Jesus, the good things that God, God's word produces will come about in you. And Jesus taught that the biggest commandment, the biggest commandment of all is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So the promise of fruitfulness here isn't that you'll be the most productive person that you know, but it's that you will naturally and abundantly love God above all else. And this will show itself in how you make decisions, how you prioritize your time and your money and your energy. It'll show itself in what you value. He said the number two command that we can expect to produce fruitfulness in us is to love your neighbor as yourself, genuinely loving people. And this would show itself through acts of service, a disposition of humility, an intentional uh, approach to evangelism, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, making disciples. More specifically, I think Jesus has a particular command in mind here. And right beyond the scope of our passage in verse 12, he says, This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. And in the upper room, he took a lot of time in encouraging them, after I leave, love one another. So I think this is part of the fruit as well, being part of the dynamic fellowship of the church. Loving one another in the body of Christ. These are the sorts of things that are promised to us. This is fruitfulness. Now, how do we abide in Christ? How do we see this fruitfulness come about? The word abide is used 10 times in 11 verses here. It's it's very central to what Jesus is trying to say. Literally, it just means stay or remain. You can substitute it into some of these verses. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever stays in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If If anyone does not remain in me, He is thrown away like a branch and withers. It's simply staying, remaining in Jesus. I find it easiest to understand what it means by looking at its negative, which is to fall away from Jesus, leave Jesus. That's what he says at the beginning of chapter 16. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. I think often this passage gets over-spiritualized a little bit. I don't know if you've heard this passage much before, but I've just in my back of my mind, I've always taken it to be a little bit mystical that those who abide in Jesus are fruitful and abiding in Jesus means sitting Indian style out in the field somewhere and meditating on Jesus and that that's the way to fruitfulness. But I think it meant something much more specific to these disciples. I think what it meant to them was don't abandon me. I'm about to be killed on the cross. Persecution is going to rise. It's going to be hard to be a Christian. Don't walk away from this. Don't go back to your fishing business, to your tax booth with stories to tell, but no connection with Jesus Christ. Don't fall away. Now, I think that's still what this means for us today. So if we want fruitfulness, the path there is simply to stay in Jesus, remain in Jesus, abide in Jesus. 
Don't fall away from Jesus. Don't walk away from Jesus. Now, I may have gotten to this point in a slightly clumsy manner, but this is important. Because this does happen. People do turn away from Jesus. People who've grown up in church do fall away from Jesus. And it is crucial that you not do that. It gets a little bit difficult, and people withdraw from the fellowship of the church. They close their Bibles not to be opened again, just to collect dust on a shelf. They no longer pray. They no longer seek comfort in their relationship with God, but just distraction. And over time, their decision-making gets more and more warped by the world. And before they've known it, they are completely withered up and dried out spiritually, left to be removed from the vine and burned in judgment. It is so serious. He's teaching here that there's really two types of branches. There's a type that abide in Jesus, stay in Jesus, remain in Jesus, don't fall away from Jesus. That type will bear fruit. No question about it. They will bear fruit. Then the other type are those who walk away from Jesus, fall away from Jesus. That type can't bear fruit. Now, I find this really clarifying. Those who remain in Jesus will bear fruit. Those who walk away can't bear fruit. No exceptions. There is no such thing as a fruitless Christian. It is a misnomer. There is no such thing as a fruitless Christian. And there's no such thing as a fruitful non-Christian. Look at what he says in verse 8. By this, your fruitfulness, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Bearing fruit proves that the discipleship is real. Fruitlessness proves that the discipleship is not real. If you are a Christian, you will bear fruit. Period. You will. You have the entire Trinity working on you to make sure you bear fruit. Jesus promised back in chapter 14, 26, that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to help them be fruitful. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit empowers fruitfulness in the Christian. The Son generates fruitfulness in the Christian. He's the vine. You're the branches. The Father cultivates fruitfulness in the Christian. The Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So not only are you not called to bear fruit on your own, it's impossible to bear fruit on your own. So this is really good news to Christians. It's really, really good news. You're guaranteed fruitfulness if you will simply abide in Christ and not turn away from him. It's guaranteed. Stay with him, remain in him, don't fall away. Now this is urgent news for non-Christians. If you look at your life and you see no fruit, and remember by fruit I mean a growing love for God, a growing love for people, a growing love for one another in the body of Christ, the church. 
then it means you need to repent and turn to Jesus Christ and receive forgiveness and be grafted in. And he loves, God loves to do that. But if you are saved, if you are grafted in, if you are on the vine, abide in Christ and be fruitful. You can rest in this glorious truth. Abiding in Christ, you will naturally and abundantly produce what God desires. You may not always feel fruitful. And it doesn't mean your life won't include suffering and difficulty and times of discouragement. But I assure you, if you're in Christ, God is making you fruitful. He promises us. So my closing word, never, ever fall away from Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm speaking to you here. You're here. You're in church. So you probably feel like, well, I'm the wrong audience for this. But there have been people who have been in church who have fallen away. Never fall away from Jesus Christ. Abide in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace toward us. That you would forgive sinners like me and graft us onto the true vine, your son, Jesus Christ. Please help us all to abide in him. Remain in him. Stay in him. Lord, if there's anyone here who is not in him, I ask that you would please make that plain to them and convict them of that fact and draw them to you through Christ. May every single person in this room leave here attached to the true vine, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.